Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Monday, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor, we're going to trial. Simone Misick is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench. Everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, Monday at 9, 8 central on CBS. The pregame and postgame podcast emanating live outside of BB&T Ballpark. And the funny thing is, as we, as we were taping this, Jim Zoki, I am Mike Pacheco, uh, we said let's just do it on the park bench. The last time we did it outside at uh, training camp, so we like that outside feel. And, of course, as soon as we got out of our cars, the jackhammers started hammering. So we went around the corner to the bench in front of BB&T Ballpark. And as we're walking up the stairs, and this is no lie, some uh, nice young lady starts darting across in front of us and makes a beeline for the bench. So we had to go to Romare Bearden Park to do the podcast today. The city's fairly big, Mike. There's a lot of benches. We found another one rather easily. But what are the odds on a weekday morning when the team's out of town for five days that someone would pick that park bench? If you've been to the game, it's that main entrance where there's the statue. What's the, who's the guy sitting there that's like permanently seated in that bench? I actually think it's Matt Davidson. And I don't think it is Matt Davidson, but it looks like Matt Davidson. Okay. So the Matt Davidson likeness is there, and it's now filled by a random lady uh, who is sitting there enjoying And she should. I, I'm glad she's having a good time. And she looks like she'll be there for a while. She brought snacks. So I'm excited, Mike, about week two of the pregame podga- yeah. podcast, postgame, uh, whatever it's called. <laughs> pre- pre- I actually came up with the name of it. Yeah. The pregame, postgame podcast. Uh, I hate that name already. But anyway, it's week two. Uh, we had such a huge review from week one. We're back. We, we actually skipped a week, so it's uh, week three, episode two. Yeah, I like how we, we do that. But well, as the, the big news we hear today, uh, as we, literally getting out of the car, Matt Khalil had an arthroscopic procedure uh, Monday, Dr. James Andrews. And when you hear Dr. James Andrews, you always know, you know it's something uh, serious. But the good news is it looks like it's something that's going to be monitored week to week. And that's going to be the topic this week when the Patriots come to town, the Panthers and Patriots playing Friday night. Uh, offensive line again, as it seems like it's been every year for the last three or four years, it's, it's, always, it's kind of been a concern. It's hard to keep five guys that are that big, that healthy all the time. Explains a little bit about what's been going on with Matt Khalil at left tackle. The funny thing about all that, Mike, is like Taylor Moten's like the answer to every question. Who's going to be the left guard without Andrew Norwell? Well, Taylor Moten. Well, who's going to be the right tackle without Daryl Williams? Well, it's Taylor Moten. Um, Matt Khalil's hurt. It's Taylor Moten. He's like the duct tape version of uh, a Panthers football player. Who's Cam's backup at quarterback? Well, it's Taylor Moten, of course. So we need like 19 Taylor Motens. Last count, he's playing three of the five starting offensive line. He's doing very well at all three of them, too. I will say this, though, and I know obviously it's a major concern and and not not to be a panacea, but uh, if if anybody can figure this out, it's John Masco and uh, and now Terrell uh, Wharton, you know, helping out on the offensive line. Because what have the Panthers been able to do every every year? And it's they seem to find that one guy that comes out of nowhere uh, or or somebody that has that potential, and they're able to develop them. And in this case, they need three of those. Uh, but you know, Greg Van Roten's one of those guys who have been playing a left guard starting the last couple of weeks. You know, they're high on Brendan Mann, the undrafted rookie out of Penn State. 
Taylor Hearn out of Clemson, maybe a chance for him to make the team. We'll probably be seeing, now you got to look at what's right tackle now, if left tackle's vacant for a little bit. Jeremiah Searles, who came over from that Viking system, is here, a veteran guy. Then there's Blaine Causal. A lot of people don't know about him, but these are the guys who are going to step up and go from being maybe deep backups and reserves to possible starters for a few weeks. Hey, ladies, it's the pregame, postgame podcast. Don't worry about it. We're just hanging out on a park bench in front of BBT Ballpark. No worries. People are stopping by, see if money's being exchanged and what's going to possibly happen here. But uh, I'm excited about seeing this team play New England because you know it's where the starters play the most, obviously. Personally excited because I get to do the play-by-play later in this broadcast, this podcast, if you will. We're going to talk about the differences between baseball and football play-by-play because Mike and I do both of those. Uh, but working with Eugene's a, a hoot, and so I'm looking forward to seeing this team. I want to talk about announcing games as an adult, Mike, versus we both grew up somewhere else, your childhood teams. We're playing your childhood team. You're a Red Sox fan, but you're a Patriots fan too. You know What's that like for you? I grew up a Cleveland fan. Not so hard being a Browns fan. They're starting to come back after being in the basement forever, it looks like. Uh, so not so hard with the Browns not being competitive. But for you, a very competitive team, the New England Patriots, there's, there's that tug I would think of the heart of being a childhood Patriots fan and you're, all your buddies growing up versus you get paid for and work for the Carolina Panthers. How do you balance the two? You know, it's interesting. I think the best learning how to adapt with that actually came when I was younger. I was producing for the Red Sox and grew up in Boston, obviously a huge Red Sox fan. And so working for the team, you know, I learned that you have to separate uh, being a fan from, you know, being a broadcaster. And I think that's, for young broadcasters, I think that's maybe the best lesson to learn, not just the team you cover, but also if you're a fan of a certain sport, you have to take the fan out of it and become objective. You can still enjoy it, but you still have to kind of put that, uh, wall up, if you will. And I think that's kind of what it's been for me. I know every now and then people, uh, someone get heckled on Twitter. It's like, oh, how can you cover the team? You're a Patriots fan. Well, no, I grew up a Patriots fan. Now I'm, I'm working in the industry and I'm a professional. Just like players. Players, right. they're, they're fans of teams and then they get uh, drafted by a team. They play for a team. And, you know, if I were drafted by the Yankees, I'd be a Yankees fan. You know, and so now as a professional, you, you kind of learn to, to separate that. And to be honest with you, my life is better when good things happen for the Panthers, and not just professionally, but it's just the cities. The, everybody in the city's a little bit brighter. The you know it's it's more friendlier. It's it's there's a great atmosphere when this when this team is winning. So that that's to me is is the balance is the professional versus the personal. Yeah, you're, we're fans of the team we work for because you get to know the people that work here. And again, it's the city you live in. But you can't like not grow up where you grew up. You can't go back in time. And well, everybody in Charlotte has two teams anyway, so we're, we fit right in. Well, you know, the, you know, a lot of people today are fans of a player, not a team. So if a player moves to a different team, they just follow LeBron to the Lakers, and they're LeBron fans or whatever. But I thought that was interesting. So I mentioned uh, you and I have done a number of nights games. You do all the home games with Matt Swearat. Uh, but you and I do a number. we got one coming up this weekend, too, with the Knights playing against Gwinnett. Uh, the differences between calling baseball and football I want to talk about with you as well. And you do a lot more baseball than I do. And I do more football than you do. But they're completely different. I mean, football is just like this fever pitch where there's just a lot of intensity. Obviously, every play is meaningful. Baseball, I mean, honestly, as you know, it's it's more of a conversation. It's kind of sitting on a park bench like we're doing right now, doing a podcast, and then something will happen occasionally that's exciting, but it really over the course of two and a half, three hours, not as often. So it's a completely different call and, and mindset. You have a lot more, I would think, preparation, things to talk about to fill time. Well, you know, I think what's interesting is they're, they're inverted opposites, right? So, you know, with baseball, the action is maybe 10 seconds, 15 seconds, and then you have maybe 45 seconds to fill, whereas football, it's kind of the opposite. I mean, you have the play, uh, and you're talking about the play, and the play's developing, and then you might have 10 or 15 seconds to throw in some sort of anecdote or tell a quick story, and then it's back into the action. So 
it's it's kind of two different muscle skills, if you will, from a from a play by play standpoint. Baseball, I think, it, it lends itself because of its everyday. The preparation is it's it's arduous. It is for doing a game, but it's it's almost osmosis. You learn by being around it every day and, and doing conversations. You know, with football, you have more time to build up, but uh, you're still probably only using about ten or twenty percent of what you prepare anyway. Uh, and it is more baseball is more storytelling because you have more time to really get into the kind of the nitty gritty stuff, if you will. You know, and I think because that's kind of mixed out. I think Mick would be a great baseball announcer because you know Mick is very uh, he's very intelligent, knows a lot of things, and you know he likes to weave different things together. I think he'd be a great baseball broadcaster. Not only would Mick be a great baseball announcer, he was a great baseball announcer for the main guides minor league baseball team i didn't see you, you you led me into a question that you did not know the answer to mick it's good thing i'm not a lawyer yes exactly mick for a period of time i don't know if it was one or two years i think it might have been just one season and he may have done some other baseball too uh was the voice of the main guides of all places now I think he grew up in uh, uh chapel hill area and uh, ended up living all the way up there in in maine doing baseball but uh i think he enjoyed that brief period of time I wonder if he can say lobster correctly. <laughs> I don't think he can. I've heard Mick in his southern accent it would not come out correctly as being lobster and chowder. What do you think about the differences, though? I mean, would you agree with that, or do you think that there's more similarities? No, I agree. I think the way you said it, kind of that inverted purpose is right, because I think it's, it's fun doing both. I think there's something about doing football all the time that, for me, it's fun to come hang out and do baseball with you and whoever's around doing night's games, and then vice versa. And I've done a lot of college basketball, some NBA through the years, too. TV and radio are completely different. It's another conversation for another time about how you call games on TV versus radio, because they can see it. You don't get into the you know the micro details of every play like you would on radio where you're describing it for those who can't see it uh, but I, I enjoy all of that I enjoy both of that now uh, we got a game coming up but you had a game last week yeah. where 80 sitcom star yeah. a full house Bob Saget not only was here but he sang the national anthem and I've met Bob before he's come by the radio station at WBT we've had him on the morning show with Bo Thompson fun guy entertaining I did had no idea until last week that he was a singer too no, and I had him on the on-field pregame show, and I said, all right, so you're singing the National Anthem. He had done it before in 2012 with the White Sox. I said, you know, what's up with this whole singing thing? People know you more as an actor-comedian, and, you know, he's incorporated singing into his act. Um, and it really, it really came about as simple as, you know, we have comedians come in from the comedy zone, and they usually they'll throw out a first pitch and do the pregame interview, and then they'll head back and they'll, they'll do their 7 o'clock set. And he said, you know what? I've thrown out a million first pitches. So he wanted to sing the national anthem. Uh, you know, it's something that meant a lot to him. And I thought he did a great job. Now, look, he's a comedian. He's not a professional singer. But that's a tough song to do. Did a nice job. You know, and he took it seriously. Because I, I think the one thing people thought about when they heard, oh, Bob Saget. And he kind of has that, uh, that kind of that side reputation of being a little bit blue. Of course, he's a professional. He, he wasn't going to do anything crazy. But there was just that element of, we don't know what's going to happen here. Uh, but he took it seriously. He... he uh, he was great. He talked to everybody that while he was here, and he, he went and he practiced the, about three times. He went into the family room. There's like a little room that families can hang out in, players' families can hang out in. He went in there, and he, and he practiced the national anthem, and then he went out, and he did a great job. And I, I, I videotaped it. I took a uh, on my iPhone. I videoed it, and I put it up on Twitter. And he saw it and asked me for a copy of it and then followed me on Twitter. So I, that's, you know, and my brother calls me the other day and he's like, oh, my God, Bob Saget follows you on Twitter. He's like two and a half million followers. I'm like, yeah, it's no big deal. <laughs> that's huge that he's following you. Yeah. You know, what would be great is if you could get other 80 sitcom stars like, say, Alf 
I think Alf would be a great one to come sing. Ah, you're killing me! <laughs> and follow you on Twitter. So I think that would be a great one maybe for next season for you. I think Alf is definitely on the list. Uh, I would actually, I think maybe somebody from uh, the A-team would be pretty good, like Dirk Benedict or, uh, you know, Mr. T, the guy, Mr. T would be great, or the guy that played Murdoch, yeah, that whatever guy. his name is. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, George Papard's no longer with us, so we couldn't. Hannibal Smith is, uh, <laughs> or the van. Actually, the, the A-team van would be cool. We just had the uh, Ghostbusters the uh, Echo Ecto One here. Yeah, yeah, no, you guys are loaded with good stuff. All right, uh, we're down. This is a new segment right at the end. We're going to close every week, and this will identify it as a closing. We're going to pull out. We have a, a hat full of random questions that we'll close with each week. You ready for the first one? We'll do one a week. So here's the first one. We'll pull it out. We're going to see this for the first time now. And Mike, today's first question is: Name a somewhat dangerous yet common and popular activity that you would never do. Common popular activity that I would never do. I tell you what, and I just saw somebody on Facebook had a picture of this uh, skydiving. I want to stay in the plane. Jumping out of the plane, I'm good with. Now, maybe if I was 18 and joined the army, I'd want to be a paratrooper. But you know, at this stage of my life, I think staying in the airplane is the better. The discretion is the better part of valor. There. How about you? I'm going to play off of your answer, actually. I actually would not mind skydiving. I would do it. Sandra has told me I can't. My son has done it before, uh, who was in the Air Force ROTC for a period of time. So he's gone skydiving. You know, they always go tandem. So I would do that. I would do a tandem one, obviously. I would. The opposite, though, when I was in St. Louis, they have the arch. You know about the arch? There's like a little elevator thing you can take up. But apparently, I've not been in it. But apparently what it is is it's just big enough where it's just like basically a little compartment where you can barely even sit down. And maybe two people fit in it apparently. And you go up in this arch and it just like does a little clink, 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 clink. And it takes forever. And you get up and you're in this tight little cramped space. That sounds so unappealing to me. And little children, old people, I'm watching all these people do it. I have not only no interest, I'm not really super claustrophobic, but that, that would freak me out if that like got stuck. I would rather be falling from a plane than be trapped in a little compartment inside the arch where there's no way out until they come find you, like being trapped in an elevator, but even smaller in that you're going in this arch up in St. Louis. I'm thinking all the people have done that. I have not only no interest, I would be afraid of doing that. I would not want to do that at all. Well, maybe as a reward for that, you get like a Big Mac or some uh, French fries. <laughs> oh, different arches. Arch. Yeah, yeah, different, arch, yeah. <laughs> different arch. All right, make sure you listen to the broadcast on Friday night. You can hear it here locally on WBT, of course, and on the Panthers Radio Network. Uh, things get kicked off at 4.30. Then, of course, uh, an hour before the game, we go on the network. And then uh, about 10.30, we'll have the, the postgame show. Yep, so uh, I've got the, the pregame, if you will, on the pregame postgame podcast. And then Eugene uh, with me and Sharon Thorson on the call. And you're with got Brett McMillan back this week on the postgame show. All right, well, I hope you enjoyed this one from the park bench on Mint Street. We're coming to you live here with the pregame, postgame pop. Hey, tried to get him to honk. He didn't do it. All right, we'll talk to you next time here on the pregame, postgame podcast. Monday, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor, we're going to trial. Simone Misick is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench. Everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, Monday at 9, 8 central on CBS.